God, we've come to the time in this service when we preach your word. We know that your word is quick, sharp, and powerful as a two-edged sword. We ask you that the word would do its work this morning, that our ears would be attentive to hear what your word has to say to us. And may we apply it to our lives, and may it be relative to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In recent weeks, our theme has been about faithfulness and about remaining focused while we press toward the promises of God. All of us know the promises of God are yea and amen. Amen. And the Bible said not one jot nor tittle would perish from every promise that he's promised. In fact, faithful is he, is he that promised who also will do it. And the Bible says for us to consider one another, and then there's a parenthetical phrase in there that says, knowing that he has promised. Knowing that he has promised helps you do things that you do in the name of Jesus. You live the life and walk the walk because there's a promise. One of the most prominent promises that we have is, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, but I will always comfort you and stand by you. Another great promise that we have is if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you can be also. Another promise is call unto me and I will answer. Seek me with your whole heart and you'll find me. All of those promises that are yea and amen, we cling to those things because they aid us and strengthen us to do all things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All things that are faithful, we do because he has promised. And what a promise it is to know that he will never leave us. He directs our lives as best he can given that carnal nature that is within us. We've talked a lot of times and when we use the children of Israel as an example, what we're doing is using that metaphor, that mind word picture that we can get of how God leads us. And we're going to today take how God dealt with Israel and dealt with Joshua as a leader and apply that to us. But what we must understand is that the enemy is often enemy. The enemy is often enemy. That lets us know that the real battle that we fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people. It's against spiritual powers and spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places, the Bible said. We wrestle not. And the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly and they're not carnal, but they're mighty to the tearing down of strongholds that try to get established in our hearts and lives. Strongholds are difficult to deal with. It's when a thought becomes a habit and then a habit becomes a stronghold. Right, and tearing those down, you just can't do it by fleshly means. You can never accomplish spiritual goals by fleshly means. You can never fight a spiritual warfare by carnal means. As long as we rely, the Bible said, upon the arm of the flesh, then we're futile in our efforts. We're fighting a losing battle because it just can't be won that way. 
Spiritual battles must be fought in the spirit realm. And spiritual battles must be fought by faith because faith is the conquering, overcoming thing that defeats every enemy that the enemy would fashion against you. Every weapon. It is futile when you've got faith to counteract what the devil puts in your way. Yes, we have an adversary. And yes, we have an enemy. And yes, we have a battle to fight. I wish it were true, some of the things that are being preached nowadays, that once you find Christ, that everything's just going to be so sweet and nice. That once you find Christ, all of your needs are just automatically going to be met. Money's going to hunt you down. And everything, success and prosperity and blessing, is just going to be dumped out on you out of proportion. But the truth, the truth is, many are the afflictions of the righteous. There are many battles to fight. Oh, you're sitting beside somebody, and she may be so fine. But I'll guarantee you, she's fighting a battle. Oh, you may be sitting by a guy in a $400, $500 suit, and he may even smell nice because of some stuff he sprayed on before he come uh, over here today. But if you could just peel off that exterior and look inside, you'd see battles and you'd see struggle and you'd see hurt and you'd see some pain because inside us, all of us, there are things we are wrestling and struggling with. And if you're not right now, just watch out. It's right around the corner. Man that is born of a woman is of a few days and... Full of trouble. Now when something is full, you can't get anything else much in there, can you? If something is full. Man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Well, we're already told. In fact, Jesus even said it himself. In this world, in this life, you will have tribulation. It's just an established fact. It's common to all of us. Every one of us, yes, even pastors who preach, they struggle. Every one of us have this struggle between the flesh and the spirit. The Bible said in Galatians 5, 16, and 17, for the spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the twain are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Wow. So this struggle between the inner man and my fleshly, earthly house is a real struggle. It has to do with something that must rule in our hearts. I heard a statement made by a speaker at a pastor's conference, and he said this, we may have God in our hearts and minds, but our granddaddy is in our bones. You may have God in your mind, and you may have the love of God in your heart, but you got your granddad and your grandmama in your bones. What is that saying? What does that mean, Pastor? That means that all that personality traits and all of those genes that you got from your ancestors comprise who you are. I think they call it DNA. It deprives who, and you're unlike any other person on the face of the earth. Yeah. So you got a DNA. Well, that identifies us fleshly but what identifies us spiritually? Did you know God has an identifying mark that he places upon us spiritually? In fact, it's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and the Bible calls us, Grieve not 
the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. God has put some DNA in us, and just like I've got my daddy's DNA in me fleshly, I've got my father's DNA in me spiritually because he imparted into me, but I became a part of the family of God, of the household of faith. Praise God. He put his DNA in me, identifying me as a child of God. I am a son of God, a child of God. He is my heavenly father. And that seal off also implies ownership, which means the Lord knoweth them that are his. So he owns me and I'm not my own. He bought me off the slave block. Praise God when I was being auctioned off and my heavenly father paid the price for me. Jesus paid it all for me. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it as white as snow. And from that day to this, I have my father's DNA in me. Our text today is in Joshua chapter 10. All of you know what that passage is all about. The children of Israel, while they were in Egypt's bondage, multiplied to over two million. And they became a, a great nation, but they were a nation that was born in bondage and they never had experienced freedom like we sang about this morning. They knew who they were. They were the seed of Abraham. And God had made a promise to Abraham. Remember? Surely blessing. I will bless thee. And I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. And wherever you set the sole of your foot, I will give it to you. I will multiply your seed as the sand of the sea and the stars of the heaven. You will become a great nation. Out of your loins shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What a promise. And in chapter 12 of Genesis, the Bible said, And God spoke to Abraham and said for him to get up and go to a country and a land that I will show you, a land that I have given unto you. It is your land. I've given it by promise. I've given it to you. Go to the land I've promised. And the fourth verse said, And Abraham got up and went. But when he got to Canaan, he found out that it wasn't all as rosy as he thought it would be. In fact, after he got to Canaan, the first thing he found out was there was a famine. A famine. No food to eat. Things were tough. It hadn't rained in a long time. And the crops were burnt up. Sometimes what God gives you, he intends a blessing, but he wants to see if you're really going to inherit the land and you're really going to stay put when you get to that promise. And sad for every one of us, he didn't stay. He looked down to Egypt and he found out that they've got plenty of food in Egypt and they've got spices down there. They've got onion and they've got garlic and they've got cucumbers and they've got melons and everything's going well down there. So why should I stay here when everything got life's good down there? So the flesh said, I want that. So instead of doing the will of God and standing on the promise, he left the land and he went down to Egypt. And you know the rest of the story. Until Moses came and let him out. Now listen, 
when you always leave the place where God intended for you, when you leave it, somebody else will occupy it that God didn't give it to and he never intended for them to be there. But when you left it, they took up residence. And getting something back that you lost is a harder battle. Some of you here today would like to get back some things that you left during one of those lean times. One of those times when your faith faltered and you just really didn't stand as a child of God and you kind of moved away and you want to get back to that place but you find out somebody else has moved on to that place. Not physically, spiritually. And now you got to fight a spiritual battle to take it back. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm trying to use a metaphor here, Israel, to show you how we individually have to fight those battles. That we too have promises that should guide us and should hold us in place. But I want to tell you, we don't always stay where God wants us to be. I told the class on Wednesday night, maybe I'll have enough boldness to say it here. There's a, a, a great preacher that says this. He said, ever since I came to the Lord and received Holy Spirit baptism and accepted the call of God for my life, I have been in the perfect will of God to this very day. Well, I want to tell you, I can't say that. I wish I could tell you that everything I have done, every conversation, every step I've taken has been right in step with God's will every step of the way. But I must confess to you and tell you that there are times when I failed him. And there are times when I wasn't faithful, when I should have been faithful. And there were opportunities that I let pass that I should have taken occasion to make a, a voice for God. There have been times in my life when I had to repent and I had to go and say, God, forgive me. And I hope I didn't let anybody down because I'm trying to just tell you that I'm human like you are, that I'm a human being. I'm just a vessel. I'm just an instrument in God's hands. That's all I am. But I fight the same battles that every normal person fights. And there have been times when I moved when God didn't move. And there have been times when God moved that I didn't move. In other words, I zigged when I should have zagged. There are times when I should have stayed put and I wandered away. So I can't say that I have always, every day, every moment, every move, been in the perfect will of God. I can't say that. But I can say that every time I came back to him, he welcomed me with open arms. That every time I repented, he heard my prayer and he forgave me for my, my carnal nature. I can tell you that every time that I came back to him, he always with open arms loved me and forgave me and restored me and renewed me and helped me through that difficulty. Always. Jason Crabb sang at General Assembly last week, he never promised that the cross would not be heavy nor the hill would not be hard to climb. Never promised a, a victory without fighting but help would always come in time. You see, that same God that we have trusted for our salvation 
is the God that we trust to carry us on our way. You know, if it was just Jesus, if it was just Jesus, if victory is lived out and you're submitted under the mighty hand of God, humble, walking in the faith, faithful light, empowered by the Holy Spirit of promise, worshiping, serving, sacrificing ourselves to God, which is only our reasonable service. We would still come to these areas where we'd have to take a stand for the Lord. Only Jesus. I wonder what kind of a service we would have this morning if we came in here with only Jesus. I wonder what healings would take place this morning if we were only Jesus. But the truth is we brought a lot of dirt on our feet into the house of God this morning. Dirt that we acquired through living this thing we call life. That when we come to a place to worship God, we've still got our earthliness on our feet. No wonder we'd have feet washing services. We need to wash all that stuff of this present life. We talked about cares of this life that choke the word of God. Wouldn't it be something if this morning it was only Jesus? If there were no burdens and there were no needs and there were no problems and there were no extenuating circumstances, if we just came in the house with just Jesus, wouldn't it be something? I dare say I'd have to be down front getting out of the way because people would be shouting all over the house if it was just Jesus. Just Jesus. I'd say we probably wouldn't have any preaching this morning if it was just Jesus. Because I believe needs would be met and hearts would be touched if we could get into the presence and it just be Jesus. You know, many of you think, I ask people all the time, I do victory checks all the time. And when I walk by Kim, I'll look at her sometimes and I'll say, got the victory? Yeah. Sometimes I'll say to Brother James, Brother James got the victory? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what we think is victory is getting that promotion that we wanted at work, getting that uh, increase in pay that we wanted at work. When we think of victory week, we think about buying that piece of property or getting that new car or buying that house or getting the neighbor's dog to quit pooping in our yard. But did you know the victory is not an external problem? Victory is not an external circumstance. Victory is more internal. It goes on inside of us. It's a, it's a battle. It's, it's not an external battle. It's a, a battle that goes on where fleshly desires lust against the spirit. The battle is really about you becoming the purposeful, powerful witness for Christ, truly furnished unto good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. God wants you to live in victory. God wants you to live in freedom, but it doesn't mean that you won't have things externally happen. I'm talking about internal victory because that's really where the battle is fought. Joshua, he has an outside battle, and it's a picture of our inside battle. And Joshua was leading two million nomadic people. Now, they wondered for, what was it, Don, 40 years, and then sent them back for 40 more? So now they've been wondering 80 years. We done had two generations die out. Now we've got to a third generation. 
and they've never known what it was like to have a home. They've been wondering their whole life. And now they've come to a place called the Promised Land, and Joshua is about to lead them in, but God tells him, says, now this is not going to be easy. When you left it, it was one way, but now you come back to get it back again, and you got to run out all the things that moved in when you left out. There's some Jebusites, and there's some Parasites, and there are some Hivites, and there's some Moabites, and Ammonites, and Amorites, and termites, and parasites. You moved out, but something else moved in, and now you want it back. So you're going to have to find a way to get out what moved in while you were gone away to get back what was promised you to begin with. Come on, somebody. I hear somebody say, I wish we could have church like we used to have it. Well, my blessed Lord, if you deal with what moved in when you moved out. I wish the Holy Ghost would move like he used to. Well, if you deal with what moved in while you was off and gone, you can have it, but you're going to have to fight. I said you're going to have to fight. Did anybody hear me say you're going to have to fight? Well, what I said was you're going to have to fight. And it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to fight to obtain what you want from God. If you want it back, Brother Jerry, I just wish I could get the love of my children back. I've got this wayward son. I just wish I could get him. Brother Jerry, I just wish God would, would heal my marriage so it could be like it used to be. Well, it's a fight. I said it's a fight. And if you're not willing to fight, then just make the best of what you got. But if you want that back, if you're going to get the promise back, if you want the peace back, if you want the strength back, if you want the faith back, if you want the joy back, if you want the happiness back, then you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to drive that stuff out of there. You're going to have to rule. I said you're going to have to rule. Don't know if I put it up there in the notes or not. It's in Proverbs 25 and 28. It says that when a man cannot rule a man who cannot rule his own spirit. He's like a city without walls. A man who cannot rule his own spirit is like a city with broken down walls. Are you seeing that? Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control or a person who's not in charge. Hey, you got to take charge. I said, you got to take charge. You got to put the devil in his place. Oh, Brother Jerry, I don't want to deal with him. Well, greater is he that's in you. Why don't you want to deal with him? Why don't you tell him, stand up to him, say, tell him, take your slimy hand off my family? Why don't you stand up and take authority over him and say, leave my child alone? You get away from my child. Don't you harass him my child anymore. Don't you, don't you try to 
tempt him and, and trouble him. Anyway, you get away from my child. You mean God wants us to talk like that? Yes, he does. Jesus said, behold, I give you power. Jesus said, behold, I give you power. The Bible said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Bible said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. They will cast out devils. Have you ever told the devil to get out of what God promised you? Oh, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. If he can't rule his own spirit, he's like a city. In other words, you just are subject to anything that comes along. You don't have any protection. You don't have any security. don't have any confidence. Brother, if you could rule your own spirit, you could get those walls built up to where it would serve as a defense. You could build those walls where you'd have some confidence and have some security and know in whom you have believed and have confidence in committing things unto him. Well, let's turn to Joshua and let's get this text read. Joshua chapter 10. You done been preaching a long time. Now I'm going to read a text. My Lord, we won't get to dinner till sometime this evening. Don asked me how long I was going to preach. I said an hour and a half. Just kidding. Joshua 10, 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, Stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou move in the valley of Ahalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of uh, Yasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hastened not to go down for about a whole day. And there was no day like that day. Have you ever had a day like there was no day like that day? Well, here they are fighting the battle. And Joshua's leading and the Amorites are fighting and they're having a terrible time winning. And they finally get the, the victory and start winning. And it's almost sundown. The time's about to go down and it's going to get dark and the Amorites are going to get away before I completely get victory over them. They're going to run in the darkness, and I won't be able to pursue after them, and it's going to get dark, and I'm not going to win this victory because I won't be able to see to find them. They're going to run away from me in the darkness. I want to do what God said. God said, get rid of them. My daddy used to say, get shed of them. You know, Back during the Cold War in the 60s and on up through the 70s and 80s, when we were trying to beat Russia in getting people in space, they beat us and got the first satellite up. And Ladon, what was the name of that satellite? Sputnik 1, it was. Yeah. They got that thing in orbit. They, in fact, they got an astronaut up there, too. We were a little bit behind in all that before we caught up rapidly. Yeah, well, in all of the calculating that was done to try to position everything where it should be, how many of you know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? 
How many of you know that the heavens declare the glory of God? How many of you know that God said, let there be light and put the sun and the moon and the stars in their place? And that since that time, praise God, all things have minutely and specifically functioned under the order of Almighty God? So then things are so predictable that you can go back into past and find out the position of the stars and the planets and the galaxies, all simply because God has put it in motion to work that way. So as our NASA engineers and uh, great wise physics professors said, we need to study this out and find out where planets are going to be exactly so that if we're going to land a man on the moon, we've got to know exactly where the moon's going to be in position so that we can make that transition happen. So they put all the computers to work trying to find out where everything is at a certain time. And suddenly all the computers jammed. And they found out that a day was missing. And when they figured it out, they figured out that it was about a day and it was 23 hours and 20 minutes. Well, they happened to be a, a Christian that had gone to Bible study. And when the engineers were all scratching their head wondering what happened in eternity past that a day is missing. And a little Sunday school lady spoke up and said, well, there's a story in the Bible about where a day, about a day, the sun stood still. And Joshua prayed. So they calculated and they found out that was 23 hours and 20 minutes. But that's still not a whole day. You still got 40 more minutes. And the little lady said, well, I remember another story where Hezekiah was told that he was going to die. And he prayed. Isaiah came back and told him, he said, the Lord's heard your prayer, going to add 15 years on to your life. He said, well, is there some sign? He said, well, why don't we just say the sun would move forward about 10 degrees? He said, well, that would be too easy. He said, can God make it move backward? And he said, yeah, God can move it backward or forward or up or down or sideways or whatever he wants to. It's all his. He said, well, could he move it backwards and let me know that this is the true word from the Lord. And he said he moved it back about 10 degrees. And 10 degrees transfers into 40 minutes on Ahaz's dial. You missed a good place to shout a little bit, didn't you? You see, God... You start trying to prove there is no God, you'll find out there's a God. You start trying with science to try to disprove him. You'll reach a place where you'll have to say there is a God. You'll try to say that the creation story is not real, but you'll get to a place where you have no more answers, and you'll have to say there had to be a creator somewhere that created all of this. 
Hallelujah. Our God is so dependable. Praise God. He's faithful. He's faithful in what he has done. He's faithful in what he has promised. And he'll do it. I said he'll do it. So when the sun stood still and the Bible said and they prevailed against them. Can you put that back up there for me? Joshua 10. And they prevailed in, in the battle. And the Bible said they were chasing. And there were five kings. Five kings that were involved in this thing. Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave which is at Machadah is the pronunciation. When Joshua was told that those five kings had been found hiding in the cave at Machadah, he said, roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. Next verse. But don't stop. Pursue your enemies and attack them from the rear and don't let them reach their cities for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. What was going on here? What's going on here is sometimes you try to fight too many battles at one time. You need to put some of those problems that you got in a cave and roll some stones up on them and say, I'll take care of them when I get time. Right now I'm fighting a battle that is so intense that I can't stop and deal with that right now, but I've got control over it. I'll just put some rocks up here and house it in and keep it in its place so it won't go anywhere, and I'll do what is necessary. I'll do what's important, and then when I get time, I'll take care of them. Oh, you didn't get that. It's called controlling, managing. It's called managing. You see, one of your problems is you try to divide your forces, your strength on too many fronts. And you try to fight too many battles at one time. Is anybody hearing this preaching? When if you just get control of them and say, I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm going to put that somewhere where I've got control of it. It's under control. I know where it is, and it's not going anywhere, but I'm too busy fighting this battle right here right now. Come on, somebody. I'm too busy fighting this battle. Amy told me the other day, the doctor told her about another problem she had. She said, don't tell me that. I ain't going to deal with that right now. I'm dealing with what I got to deal with right now, and I hadn't got time to deal with that. I'll deal with that sometime later. God's going to take care of it anyway, and it's not affecting me in any way. I'll deal with that later. I'm dealing with this now. Glory God. Somebody needed that. Bless God, you need to quit dividing yourself into such weak places. You, no wonder you're losing all the battles. You're so weak. Where you're fighting every one of them, you spread out so much. You know, there is a tiredness that sleep won't help. I said there is a tiredness that sleep won't help. Sometimes you can become so weary in your spirit and so beat down and beat up that you just don't feel like you've got the victory over anything. Let me tell you what you do. Take your burden to the Lord. 
and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you'll trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Glory to God. You see, there are a lot of problems that you think are here when they're really there. Plumber come over to my house one day and I told him I had a leak out in the carport and the sheetrock's all turned brown and seams are turning loose. I said, I got a leak somewhere. And I said, I think it's right up there. Well, I went on about my business and he called me and he said, I got you, got your leak fixed. I said, oh, found it, hon, got it fixed. Oh, yeah, I got it fixed. He said, it wasn't where you thought it was. It was somewhere else that had found its way out to the carport and manifested itself in the carport. You see, sometimes the problem's not here, it's over there. And you're working so hard on it right here. And you're all consumed at expending all of your energy and all of your spiritual stamina on here when the problem is really over there. Oh, God told me to tell you that. See, some of you think that the problem's at school. The problem's not really at school. The problem is at home. Ooh, glory. Some of you think that the problem's over here on the job. But the problem ain't over there on the job. The problem is back at home. Some of you think the problem's at church, but the problem's not really at church. The problem's back at home. Come on, somebody. See, sometimes the devil will trick you, and he'll get you all worked up over what seems to be the problem here, but the problem is not really here. Oh, God. But the problem is somewhere else. You see, the cave was not the imminent problem. The imminent problem was the enemy that was fighting and the battle that was raging. The kings are all holed up in the cave. The real problem, the real thing I need to be working on is what's going on there, not in the cave, not here. I'll put that, I'll secure that, and I'll handle that when I got time. Right now, I've got to get out China and whip the fire out of them Amorites. I've got them on the run, and God said, catch them on the tail end of the line. Here's good, this is good. When he got through killing all of them, he went back to the cave, said, all right, boys, get these rocks off. And they got the rocks off, and they brought the kings out. Got the chief out. And he said, I want every man in Israel, 
laid them down. Every man in Israel, come over here and put your foot on that king's neck. Oh, you're not getting this. One of these days in God's tomorrow, an angel is going to come down from heaven with a chain in his hand. And he's going to go over and lay hold upon that old dragon and that old slew foot that we call Satan, who is Lucifer. And he's going to subdue him and capture him. And he's going to carry him over and put his foot on his neck. And he's going to stomp him into a bottomless pit. And he's going to put a seal of God upon that pit and stand up and swear peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Hallelujah. That foe will be conquered forever. That chief will go down and he'll be bound and cast into the bottomless pit. Victory. Victory is not getting a new Cadillac. Victory is not getting a $400,000 house. Victory is managing your spirit. Victory is ruling your own spirit and keeping the walls high. Stand with me, please. Oh, hallelujah. Told you earlier, don't be so impressed by that smile on the face of the person sitting by you. That's on the outside. There may be something on the inside that that smile is trying to cover up. There may be some hurt, some pain, some sorrow, some disappointment. Some people, when I say, got to victory, they'll say, over some things. Brother Charlie Boat used to tell me, over most things. Got to victory, Brother Charlie, over most things. Over most things. I love it when people report victory. But I want to tell you, victory is a process. Do you hear what Pastor said? Oh, now I believe in divine healing. I believe with all my heart, Sister Pate, that the Lord can touch somebody and heal them instantaneously. I believe that. I believe that God can do things in a moment's time that 10,000 millennia could not be done any other way. I believe He's an on-time God. I believe He's a God that can do miraculous things immediately, instantaneously. One morning in the old church, I call it the old church, is over on Brighton Avenue. I had a couple in the church that had been having a lot of marital problems, a lot of difficulty, had given up and said, it's over, no way. One Sunday morning, when the power of the Lord was so prevalent in the house, when the Holy Ghost, Glenda, was in the house, People were worshiping. And the Lordship of Jesus was so powerful in that house. And I looked over on one side, Steve, and I saw him crawling on his hands and knees down the aisle over there next to the wall. 
There was an old brick wall too. And I saw him over, made his way to the altar. And I looked over Mark over on the right side. She was sitting as far away from him as she could sit. And she'd come down that aisle on the outside and knelt in the altar over on that side. And with just a little bit of pastoral maneuvering, I finally maneuvered her over this away, and I maneuvered him over this away. And God did something that weeks and months of talking could not do. I said God did something that weeks and months of talking about it could not do. There are some things it just takes the Holy Ghost. It takes God. It takes the truth of God's Word. You can talk your head off, but until something happens in their spirit, come on somebody, until something happens in their spirit, then you won't get anything accomplished until something happens in the spirit. When a man rules his own spirit, the walls they erect. Amen. When he walks in the spirit, walks by faith, not by sight, but walks by faith, then that man is a strong man and rules his spirit. Those walls aren't easily broken down when we rule our spirit. It's God's will that we rule our spirit. So when we ask, have you got the victory? It means, are you ruling your spirit? Let the peace of God reign in your hearts. That means let peace of God, the peace Jesus lives, sit on the throne in your heart. Let peace rule. And the Bible talks about those things that make for peace. Brother, it's wonderful when peace. I am a peace-loving man. Buddy, do I ever more love peace. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren and sistering to dwell together in peace and unity. And I want to tell you, this church or any other church won't get much done for God until you have peace. 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 There are some times when the rocks hurt my feet. There are some times when my body burns from the sweat and the heat. Sometimes when my strength is almost gone and my faith begins to wane. My back is bent neath the pain. Or I can turn around, for the road is still there. But every mountain that I've climbed, I again would have to bear. So you see, I just can't turn back. Someone may be using my track. One more bend, and it just might be this road's end. Long and winding road keep on leading me. Up ahead I see a sign that points me straight ahead to victory. Oh, I must be traveling right for I remember passing Calvary. And although it's dusty and it's old, for years it's borne the traveler's load, but someday this road will turn to gold. Someday, someday, this road will turn to gold. There will come a time when I'll stand in His presence. 
And that will be the day that I'll say, Jesus is the victory. Jesus is the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. Steve even knows that one. With his redeeming blood, he loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. And because he got victory for us, every one of us, you can leave out of this building today delivered, healed, encouraged, and blessed. Take the person that hand beside you. I'm going to pray for you before I walk out these doors. Pray for my sheep. Brother Ray, pray for my sheep. I love it when I gather my sheep around me. I love to love on you. God, I thank you this morning for a congregation that has sat and heard the Word of God, heard about what to do in times of battle, how to manage the Spirit, our own Spirit, how to rule our Spirit. God, help every person in this house under the sound of my voice to be successful at that venture of ruling our spirit. God, give us opportunities, Lord, that we can influence people with that spirit of Christ. Touch us as we leave this building, God, as we go out into the world to be lights in the midst of darkness. I pray that you touch and energize and strengthen everyone with your strength and your power. And may we do always those things that please you. Bless throughout this day and keep us safe from harm and danger. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you, and God go with you is my prayer. You have the greatest Sunday you ever had. In Jesus' name.